The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1979, Episode 5. In this episode, we will cover September 3rd through October 8th. In America, over the Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th, comedian actor Jerry Lewis holds the 14th annual Jerry Lewis Muscular Dystrophy Telethon. In this 21 and a half hour televised charity, Ringo Starr devotes his time by taking phone pledges. I think you might recall this gentleman. He's really nifty. He's always been a nifty, as long as I know him. Ringo Starr. Give us a hundred. A hundred dollars. A hundred? I say, the other price. Oh, my God, I didn't know he had a hundred. Thank you very much. I say, we have a hundred, Ringo. Give us a hundred dollars. Thank you. Ringo also performs on stage with a set of all-stars. We're going to Superdance, because this is a real treat, because we're presenting live at the Superdance, a jam session which will consist of Todd Rundgren, Doug Kershaw, Bill Wyman, Dave Mason, and Kiki D, Joni Harris, Licky Memon, Stutty Bep, Fault Metcher, All of them? Stanley Bellman, Holy. Helen Bush, Felton Dubin, Lecky Bippy, and Stoughton Doll, and Ringo Starr. Take it, Superdance.
On the 5th of September at his Dakota apartment in New York City, John Lennon began to record on cassette tape an oral diary of his life. 5th of September, 1979. Tape one in the ongoing life story of John Winston Ono Lennon. Talk about 9 Newcastle Road because that's the first place I remember. And it's a good way to start. Red brick, front room, never used, hose turns drawn, picture of a horse and carriage on the wall, which ended up at Nanny's place, not Anne, who's still living in Rock Ferry, Cheshire. And she sold it. First thing I remember is a nightmare. There was only uh, three bedrooms upstairs, one in the front on the street, and one in the back, and one teeny little room in the middle. For a brief moment, John thinks of stopping. This is boring. I can't be bothered doing it. Let's think of something else. Well, I was listening uh, to the radio and Dylan's new single or album, whatever the hell it is, came on. About uh, everybody's got to get served. <laughs> I mean, what was it? Every, You've got to serve someone. You've got to serve somebody. Hmm. So he wants to be a waiter now. It must be a waiter for Christ. The backing was mediocre by Jerry Wexler, and the singing was really pathetic, and the words were just embarrassing. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like you may be the heavyweight champion of the world You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls But you're gonna have to serve somebody Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord But you're gonna have to serve somebody Maybe a rock and roll addict dancing on the stage. Money, drugs at your command. Women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. But you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. You may be a state trooper, it may be a young Turk, maybe the head of some bigger TV network. You may be rich or poor, you may be blind or lame, maybe living in another country under another name, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, you are. You're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Serve somebody. Maybe a construction worker working on a home. Maybe living in a mansion 
still, even now, talking about them or thinking about them, still really being involved in it. Because the ultimate disassociation would be not even to know that they had an album <laughs> But now at least I get pleasure in it instead of panic. The main pleasure being, of course, that it's all a load of shit. So I suppose I'll always feel competitive with them because they were from that same generation. But when I hear something like pop music by Robin Scott or the Blondie single, I really enjoy it, you know. I don't feel competitive about it. <laughs> Last, 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 last.
wanted to add about McCartney, Dylan, Jagger, et al. is that they're all company men in various disguises, but basically company men. Forgetting the uh, singing dwarf, Mr. Simon. Problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. She said it's really not my habit to intrude. Furthermore, I hope my meaning won't be lost or misconstrued. But I'll repeat myself. At the risk of being crude, there must be 50 ways to leave your lover. 50 ways to leave your lover. You just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Or hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just hop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. She said it grieves me so to see you in such pain I wish there was something I could do to make you smile again I said I appreciate that And would you please explain about the 50 ways She said why don't we both just sleep on it tonight And I believe in the morning you begin to see the light And then she kissed me And I realized she probably was right There must be 50 ways to leave your lover 50 ways to leave your lover You just slip out the back, Jack Make a new plan, Stan You don't need to be coy, Roy Just get yourself free Or you hop on the bus, Read Truman Capote's interview with himself in this week's or month, whatever, interview magazine. And it wasn't bad, but it wasn't any better than the one I did two years ago. Although at the time I thought it originated, somebody told me Bernard Shaw had done it. I like that remark some woman made about Bernard Shaw that his brains had gone to his head. <laughs> What's that? Sounds like birds. Well, of course, the bagpipes got me right back to Edinburgh, which is one of my favorite dreams. And uh, the Edinburgh Festival and the tattoo 
in the castle when all the bands of the world's armies would come and march and play. And the favorites used, I think they were usually the Americans because they swung like shit, apart from actually the Scots, who were really the favorites. And I always remember feeling very emotional about it, especially when they did the bit at the end where they put all the lights out and there's just one guy playing the bagpipes. Lit by a lone spotlight. Hawkeye. Well, in 1981, I'll take Sean there, because that's a good year to go. I always felt free in Scotland. It's probably the same uh, feeling I get in Japan, actually. It's the feeling of being in a foreign country, and therefore you're not, you don't belong to the, you don't have to deal with the social mores so much, free from everything. It's easier to be yourself in a foreign country. I think that's why so many people go crackers. <laughs> And they get on holidays in those places. The freedom's too much for them. Aloha, free three. It's easier to think than talk. Just, I was just remembering the time when I had my hand on my mother's tit in number one Blomfield Road in uh, 
off Mather Avenue near Garston. That's when I was about 14. Took a day off school, I was always doing that and hanging out in her house. Now we were lying on the bed and I was thinking, I wonder if I should uh, do anything else. You know? And it was a strange moment because I actually had the hots, as they say, for some rather lower-class female that lived on the opposite side uh, of the road. But uh, I always think that I should have done it, <laughs> presuming she would have allowed it. Well, you I never saw him face, so he felt fled on my own.
Oh, by the way, Mother was wearing a black Angora short sleeve round neck sweater. Not too fluffy, maybe it was the other stuff, cashmere. That's it, fine cashmere. Soft wool, anyway. And I believe that tight, dark green with yellow mottled skirt. Hey ho, I also remembered seeing her going down on Twitchy, or otherwise known as Robert Dykins, Dykins, D Y K I N S, her Bobby Dykins, her second husband. I don't know if she ever married him or not. She was under the bed sheets and I wandered into the room as I was staying there. Same period, 14 on, 13 on, or whatever. And I can't remember exactly what I felt. Shock, I know that. Because I, I was already probably into it myself. I probably uh, wasn't that shocked. It was the idea of going down on him, I think. Sleazy little waiter with the nervous cough and the thinning margarine-coated hair. He used to always push his hand in the margarine or the butter, it was usually margarine, and grease his hair with it before he left. He used to keep his tips in a big tin on top of a cupboard in the kitchen where I used to always steal them. And I believe Mother got the blame. That's the least they could do for me. This year's dedicated to all you phallic worships out there in good old planet Earth. taken out to view yet another group of houses for our country retreat. This endless search for Scotland outside of New York, <laughs> within an hour of New York. Well, now I've given up Scotland and the ocean. I'm settling for a, some grass and a tree. Yeah. 
read uh, somewhere about some, uh, some guy saying that, uh, you know, about the sexual fantasies and urges that he had all his life when he was 20, and then when he was 30, he thought they'd cool down a bit, and then when he got in his 40s, he thought they'd cool down, they didn't, and they went on 60s, 70s, until he was still dribbling on in his mind when he couldn't possibly do anything about it, apparently. So that rather, well, I could, not depressed, but I mean, I just thought, shit. Because uh, I was always waiting for them to lessen. But I suppose it's going to go on forever. Well, forever is a bit too strong a word there. Let's say, go on until you leave this body anyway. Let's hope. Maybe the game is to get conquer it, as they say, before you leave. Otherwise, you come back for more. And who wants to come back just to come? Mary, baby. Fun. Well, maybe I read it in the Capote thing. I'll check that out. Meanwhile, as Lennon searched for another real estate venture, over in London on September 14th at the Hammersmith Odeon Theatre, Paul is involved in the fourth annual Buddy Holly Week celebration. At the end of this evening's festivities, McCartney, along with members of Wings, Don Everly, The Crickets, and others, perform in front of a sellout crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, Denny Lane. Thank you. Two, three, four. Remember this one, sing along if you know it. The sun is up, the sky is blue, there's not a cloud to spoil the view, but it's raining, raining in my Come on now. Baby, my heart. 
Meanwhile, making global headlines, external tensions stemming from Vietnam's dispute with Cambodia and China, coupled with the current Sino-Vietnamese war, left the Chinese-Vietnamese Hoa people fleeing for their lives by boat to neighboring nations. The United States, Canada, United Kingdom and others, while taking in refugees, were also sending aid to underdeveloped nations that could not handle the financial burden. At first, it's hard to make out. A speck on the horizon. You take a closer look. A boat. A flag. An arm waving. A crowd gathers along the beach. This is the east coast of Malaysia. Final destination. Thousands of refugees fleeing Vietnam. Many don't make it this far. They're attacked by pirates. Drowned or starved to death. These have made it. 
But will the Malaysian police turn them away? The squalor of Pulau Badong is appalling. 42,000 people living on the shores of a tiny island, which only a year ago locals here felt was unsuitable for human life. It's Malaysia's largest refugee camp, and it's one of the places Malaysians point to when explaining why they are pushing newly arrived refugees back out to sea. Around this time, American promoter Sid Bernstein tries again to reunite the Beatles, this time for three shows to aid the Vietnamese, Laos, and Cambodian refugees, known as the Boat People, who are seeking political asylum by boat. No response from either McCartney, Lennon, Harrison, or Starr. On September 21st, controversial Secretary General to the United Nations, Kurt Voltheim, also makes a plea for the Beatles to reunite to lend aid to the Vietnamese Kampuchea boat people. As like the other offers, the reunion idea is declined. However, a charity concert to aid the refugees is being considered by McCartney. The California newspaper, the San Bernardino Sun, on September 22nd reported that George, Paul, and Ringo had agreed to perform together if John would do it. Dirk Summers, ex-manager for Tony Sheridan, and now independent concert promoter in Los Angeles, told Garden City radio station WLIR, Music that cares. 92.7 WLIR. That he was handling the negotiations and that the three had agreed to perform for the refugees in Geneva, Switzerland, with Elton John and Leonard Bernstein. The next day, all four ex-Beatles said no, they never agreed or spoke to Dirk. Paul, meanwhile, continued to rehearse with Wings.
In America, on September 25th, at the Los Angeles County Superior Court, the Beatles company, Apple Corps, filed a lawsuit against the Beatlemania stage show and its producers, Stephen Leber and David Krebs. Apple is asking that the show be stopped in all locations, as well as blocking the planned NBC television miniseries that is being created. The suit is also claiming $30 million in compensatory damages and an additional $30 million in punitive damages. The judge in the case orders that the play be stopped until a verdict is rendered. While the Beatlemania lawsuit made its way through the courts, Wings continued to rehearse in East Sussex at Paul's newly purchased property in Peasmarsh, Lower Gate Farm. Well, you know I was alone. I took a ride. Oh, my God. 
As Paul and his band Wings rehearsed to get back on the road, another Wing was preparing his new band to do the same. Ex-Wing lead guitarist Jimmy McCulloch's new band called The Dukes had a new album forthcoming with a tour scheduled in October. On September 27th, after missing a few rehearsal sessions and not returning phone calls, Jimmy's brother Jack went round to see if all was okay. Jack found his brother lifeless in Jimmy's apartment. Jimmy had died of morphine poisoning. He was only 26 years old. It is on the Friday Rock Show. Sad it always is for me to sit in front of a microphone and talk about somebody that's recently died. And I'm talking at the moment now about Jimmy McCulloch, who had an amazing career in music in this country, played great, great guitar. He was found dead yesterday in his bed. During his career, he was in numerous bands. Thunderclap Newman, John Mayall he played with, Stone the Crows, Blue, Wings.
just before he died, he had an album coming out. I think it's coming out next week, in actual fact. The band are called The Dukes. He wrote this song, he co-wrote it, and it's called Heartbreaker. So somewhere in there, here's Jimmy McCulloch. Have a listen to the words.
called Heartbreaker, and it's by the Dukes. It was co-written by Jimmy McCulloch, and he was in the band. And just judging on the performance on that track, I think the band would have been big for him. But unfortunately, now he's dead. And he died at 26. Continuing in a moment, Paul gets back to Liverpool. There's a queue of 26 hours to come to work. <laughs> 26 hours? Yeah. We got down there about 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and got our tickets about quarter to 12. <laughs> if McCartney wasn't in this band, you wouldn't see all these people here. Ringo's Hollywood Hills home catches on fire. Uh, the house went on fire, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and John celebrates his birthday. Well, here we are, age 39, looking out of my hotel window. Wondering whether to jump out or get back in bed. Next on Yesterday and Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts yesterday and today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? (laughs) Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. (laughs) Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.